In fact, some of the Mu'arrikhin, Muslim historians have mentioned, because in Egypt there was a lot of magic, sihr, and what they would do is they would actually hypnotize the family, the father, and also the girl. They would hypnotize the girl and the parents, and the parents would accept money, and they would kidnap the girl, and the high priests would take the girl and would adorn her with beautiful expensive jewelry and then what they would do is they would push her from the from the banks of the Nile and she would fall down and eventually she would drown and when this human sacrifice is offered to the Nile immediately what happens is that the Nile would open up its flow of water and it would flow freely so this was what would occur annually with the Egyptians they would offer a sacrifice a human sacrifice to the Nile now when Hazrat Amr ibn As radiallahu ta'ala and heard of this he said inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi Islam cannot tolerate such barbaric inhumane practice to, to offer human sacrifice Allahu Akbar this was never accepted in Islam what Hazrat Amr ibn As radiallahu ta'ala an did was he wrote a letter to the Khalifa in Madinatul Munawwara to seek his opinion what should be done. Now Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala remember that Hazrat Amr ibn As covered two sections the last phase of the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab in Egypt was quite big. So you had different sections. Alexandria was the last city to be conquered. <coughs> Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala could not come personally from Madinatul Munawwara to come and see what was happening with the Nile, River Nile. So what he did is that he said to someone, give me a piece of paper. And Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala wrote on that piece of paper a few lines ulama Muslim historians have mentioned the contents of the letter what was written on that letter a very simple letter from Amirul Mu'minin Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah from Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an if you flow by your own will then the Muslims are not in need of your water if your water flows by your own will, then the Muslims are not in need of your water. But if you flow by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Umar ibn al-Khattab, in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, requests you to flow freely. <laughs> and this was the letter written... And a man came from Madinatul Munawwara, a messenger with the, with the ta'weez, and I want to speak on this. With the letter of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, and Hazrat Amirul Mu'minin said to Amr ibn As, all I want you to do is post this letter into the Nile. Post it there, deposit it into 
درے ونائل بس حضرت عمر ابن عاص رضی اللہ تعالی عنہ was quite shocked what was happening but one should never be shocked with حضرت عمر ابن الخطاب رضی اللہ تعالی a man full of miracles بری کرامت تھی ان کی بھائی the word کرامت I'm not sure there is no such word that can be translated you have miracles but in, in Arabic you have karamat or mu'ajizat mu'ajizat is for anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam for the friends of Allah awliyaullah the term that is used is karamat but this was a miracle from Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala immediately the water started gushing and it was always spilling in fact all of the banks the different banks of the Nile were flooded. The water was overspilling. And until today, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of water in Nile. This is the barakat of Hazrat Amr ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. And so this solution uh, was given and provided for the Muslims. This dilemma ended with the taweez, with the letter of Hazrat Amr ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. We've covered this in the seerah of Hazrat Amr ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. But what I wish to emphasize here is on the subject of Taweez. Taweez? Ambulance. Taweez. Now, you get the two extremes, two school of thoughts. One group vehemently, categorically is saying it is haram. What is it? Haram. And they class that to be shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they say that your total reliance must be only upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tawakkul and so this what you wear is shirk but you don't need this what is this and then you get the other group of people that are very lenient they will use a taweez for everything they become very carefree a man can write whatever he wants. Once a taweez was shown to me and in it was written, Ya Shamsuddin, Ya Shamsuddin, Ya Shamsuddin. Allah knows what is Shamsuddin by. What is Shamsuddin? So this is haram, of course. But the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'at should adopt the middle path, the path of moderation. The path of... We should not quickly jump to conclusions and make everything haram when there's a possibility of it to be accepted in Islam. Now a lot of the scholars have mentioned that what Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an had written was also a form of taweez. That was also a taweez. So when someone treats a person who's not too well and writes something, he writes it also on a piece of paper. But the only thing that it is folded properly. And so this was also a form of taweez written by Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab. And Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and said, this is the cure for Nile. For the stubbornness of the Nile, I have the taweez. I will treat the problem that the Muslims are facing in Egypt. And he provided a prescription. They take this medication. Now anyone who uses the taweez first of all your intention must be that shifa only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now the purpose of taweez is like when a physician prescribes medicine some tablets that is given to you so when you take tablets 
you don't a Muslim does not actually say it's the tablets that have worked on me and everything all credit goes to the tablets no, no. all credit goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put shifa in the tablets of course and by taking the tablets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave that individual shifa so there are different methods of treatment in the sharia different methods you will find some individuals who actually treat individual and especially when it comes to uh, expunging jinns out of the body and even curing nazar and hasad and a lot of the other uh, spiritual ailments that are out there by using the Quranic method. Now there is nothing wrong if a person writes a taweez and the contents of it is only the Quran or the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa why? Because the Quran in itself says that I am Shifa. Ya ayyuhan nas, kad ja'atkum maw'izatum min rabbikum wa shifa'un lima fi sudur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wa nunazzilu min al-Quran ma huwa shifa, wa rahmatun lil mu'minin. That the Quran is a potent of shifa. So everything about the Quran is shifa, provided one has learned the skill, the art of, mashallah, uh, placing the verses of the Quran in the right manner mm-hmm. or using the text of the ahadith to treat someone who is not well mm-hmm. and you will find for an example in Zadul Ma'ad Allama Ibn Al-Qayyim Al-Jawzi Rahmatullah Alayh has written chapters mm-hmm. of what Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would pray or prescribe on individuals and so if a person takes one hadith and writes it on a piece of paper and the yaqeen is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives shifa. There is nothing wrong with that. Why you will find that Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and himself had given a taweez to a Roman king. Brothers remember when that Roman king was suffering from a continuous migraine. Too much headache, too much headache. He went to all the doctors of the world. And he wrote a letter to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and that, you know, I suffer from continuous pain in the head. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and what he did is that on a piece of paper he wrote Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Umar Farooq, can you take out your topi? Okay, not you. Shabir, can you take out your topi for one minute, please? And Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and wrote Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. You look handsome, Shabir. This is the only time I can believe. Yeah. And what he did is that he put that piece of paper on the inside section of the topi. And it wasn't even visible inside the material. And all it said was Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And he said to this Roman king that whenever you suffer from a headache, put on this topi. Khair. Allah is the one who will give you shifa. And history records that every time this man suffered from, a, uh, from pain in the head, headache or whatever it was, the problem that he suffered from, they would put on the cap, the topi given to him by Umar ibn al-Khattab, and he was at ease. Every time trouble, ease, topi, ease, topi, subhanallah So was this not something that was prescribed by the great man like Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala. So one should not very quickly come and jump into conclusions. Provided it is not based upon anything that would be considered to be shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then obviously that is totally haram. 
But one very famous hadith, even ruqya, even blowing, uh, is mentioned in the ahadith. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was not well, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha would read the mu'awwazatayn and she would blow it on the palms of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After reading, Kul a'udhu bi rabbil falak and Kul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. And she would blow it on the hands of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what she would do is she would allow the hands of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to pass around the entire body after blowing it on the hands of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because she knew that subhanallah there is only shifa. Shifa comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the more muttaqi you are, the more power Allah gives you. The more muttaqi you are, the more power Allah gives you. And obviously in the hands of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah had placed shifa. So she would read mu'awazatayn and she would, she would blow it on the hands of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and move it around the entire body, the body of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I just wanted to make this very very clear on the subject of taweez that you find the two extremes and the Muslims should adopt the middle path the middle path and make sure if you are going to take something of ilaj then you have to be careful you have to understand the aqidah the aqaid of that individual who is that individual is he from the ahlu sunnah wal jamaat what kind of a person is he is he a sunni muslim is he a man who follows the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is he an alim is he a scholar he understands the tafsir and the hadith of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so all of these issues are very very important when it comes to taking uh, assistance from individuals in the form of the, the verses of the Quran or the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam however alhamdulillah we continue once Egypt had been conquered by the Muslims uh, at the hands of Hazrat Amr ibn As radiallahu ta'ala an, now the next stop was to conquer North Africa. Alhamdulillah for the Muslims, it was never stopping. They wanted to continue and press on. After Egypt, the Muslims decided that now we must start with this beautiful continent of Africa. And we start from North Africa. Now one must also remember that all of these military expeditions were not for any worldly reasons, not for greed, but it was only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was only to open up the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the inhabitants of Africa, and so that an opportunity is given to them to embrace Islam. So the next step was to take control of North Africa. Now I mentioned North Africa, North Africa means from the borders of Egypt covering Tunisia, Libya will be conquered when I explain this inshallah, all the way towards Morocco, that section. Mm-hmm. Now the man in charge was not Amr ibn As radiallahu ta'ala an. Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an gave this responsibility to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala. He was the man responsible now, the Amir of the Muslim army, to conquer North Africa. It was never ever easy for the Muslims to conquer North Africa and open space. 
And so now conquering Africa, North Africa was not an easy mission for the Muslims, very very difficult. The strategy that was adopted by Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an was to send the cavalries into the different cities of North Africa. Now these cavalries were like scouting parties. What were they? Scouting parties. Different different scouting parties. They would quickly make an intrusion into the different cities of North Africa, quickly go inside and quickly get out also. Stay in the city for a few days and then quickly move out. This was the strategy that was adopted by Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an. The purpose was only to gather information. Because Africa was an alien country to the Arabs. Completely different to the desert of Arabia. It was very very different. So the intention was to provide sufficient information to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala. So scouts would go, scouting parties would go to the different cities of North Africa. They would come back with intelligence. And they would inform Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd the strength of the enemies, their army. They would inform Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala of strategic locations of the city. The main routes that the Muslims would take to enter the city. And the different routes that are available in the city to exit that city in case the Muslims need to move from that city immediately. And also at the same time to study the condition of the people. Now the people in North Africa, the indigenous population was not happy with the Romans. The Romans were well known for their zulm, for their oppression. And Muslims also wanted once and for all to remove the yoke of Roman tyranny. This was the intention. And Alhamdulillah, once sufficient information was given to Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala, again he wanted to take permission from Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala, who was sitting in Madinatul Munawwara, that I have sufficient intelligence, all the information is with me now. Now the Muslims did not have the exact figure of the, the enemies and how many soldiers uh, the, the kuffar had in North Africa. It was uh, an open space that Muslims had to cover many many cities. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu, Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala in Madinatul Munawwara invited all the senior companions including Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala uh, to take advice, mashwara, what would happen. And all of the companions unanimously agreed that it is time for the Muslims to conquer North Africa. Permission is given to them. Allahu Akbar. It was as if though this mission was a sacred mission. 10,000 Mujahideen were prepared to fight in this battle of North Africa, conquering North Africa. All of the 10,000 Mujahideen were only from Madinatul Munawwara. So when Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala said to the people that I have appointed Abdullah bin Sa'ad to conquer North Africa and we want reinforcements, we want more mujahideens to participate ulama have mentioned senior sahabai kiram ajma'een opted to go and participate in the jihad including the children of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala the children of Umar ibn al-Khattab in fact Hazrat 
Abdullah ibn Umar also participated in this jihad. The grandsons of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the children of Hazrat Ali also participated. Hazrat ibn Abbas took part in this, in this battle. Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala an was prepared to fight. Hazrat Hussein radiallahu ta'ala an was also prepared to take a part in this jihad of North Africa. Subhanallah, when Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an saw so many volunteers, it is said that he himself wanted to also participate in jihad. But because he was the Khalifa, it was difficult to, to leave Madinatul Munawwara vacant. And so what he did is that on his behalf, he contributed 1,000 camels and gave it to the poor Mujahideen who are to participate in this jihad. He gave 1,000 camels to the Mujahideen. And this is not from Baytul Mal, this is from his own pocket. And he said, I am going to give it to the poor Mujahideen so that they have uh, an, an easy means of travel to uh, North Africa. And so he gave 1,000 camels to them as a donation in preparation for this jihad. And Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and lifted up his hands and he was making dua for the 10,000 that were prepared to march out of Madinatul Munawwara. And he appointed an Amir for the 10,000, this contingent, Hazrat Haris radiallahu ta'ala an. Now Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala an on one side gave permission to the Mujahideen, 10,000 came out from Madinatul Munawwara, whilst Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an had entered North Africa and he was there close to the city of Subaytullah. Now Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was worried. He feared that there is a possibility that the enemies could ambush the Muslims and the Muslims would be crushed, the entire army would be crushed. Because he did not, he was not aware of all the different locations of Africa. So what he did is that he would continuously send uh, scouting parties out in the different uh, directions to make sure that no enemies were around the Muslim army. Now when one party came after uh, spying on the enemies, they came to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad and they said to him that we have seen more than a hundred Roman warships that have anchored near Tripoli, near Tripoli, which is in Libya, near Tripoli, the coast of Libya. And so they came and they said that our advice is to fight and to take the warships from the Romans first before we launch an attack to the cities of Subaytullah, the, the main capital city of North Africa. Now Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala did not know what to do. Because you had one party that was coming from Madinatul Munawwara, 10,000. The Mujahideen that were with Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad were in the region of only 15,000. What to do? Do we go straight in the direction of North Africa, press on, or do we reverse and go back towards Libya? And so what he did is that he split the army and he said that one section of the army go towards Libya and they went close to the city of Tripoli and to the coastal region of Libya, subhanallah, what the Muslims did is that they laid an ambush and they attacked uh, the warships and the Romans were surprised 
Allahu Akbar, they did not even expect the Muslims to attack them. And it is said that the Muslims immediately seized 100 Roman warships. How many? 100 Roman warships. And they were so scared of the Mujahideen. Some of the Muslim historians have mentioned that because of the long beards and the long Zulfa hair, they had never seen anyone as physically strong as these individuals who came all of a sudden by who are these jinns in front of us and they all surrendered more than a hundred warships were taken by the Muslims just by a handful of mujahideen and it is said hundreds of the crew were taken as prisoners ulama and muarrikhin Muslim historians have mentioned this is the this is considered to be the first baytul first baytul mal or booty the first booty given to the Muslims Allahu Akbar so this was good news immediately this news was given to Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala and now the cargo and all the goods were also taken by the Muslims 100 extra warships now belong to the Muslims and Alhamdulillah with a lot of joy and being grateful to Allah now the army marches back to the main camp where Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala was. Now you have this city, Subaytullah. Now Subaytullah is considered to be the capital city of North Africa. North Africa at that time was from the borders of Egypt. Libya was conquered on the way by, by the group of people. And so from the borders of Egypt all the way until the end of Morocco. Now what had happened? The man, the king who was in charge of North Africa at that time, his name was Jarjir. What was his name? Jarjir. Jarjir, or in English, Gregory. Or in English, Gregory. Jarjir or Gregory. What do you want to choose, Musabai? Jarjir. Go for Jarjir. So his name was Jarjir. Now, this man was a ruthless man. He had declared independence all over North Africa and he was the man who fought the Romans. So the Romans were even scared to fight him. He had a very strong, powerful army. And the capital of North Africa was Subaytullah. Now at a distance, Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad is there. Now slowly that waft, the contingent, comes from Madinatul Munawwara and joins this army. <coughs> And Hazrat Haris and all of them do bay'ah to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. And he is the man who is in charge. Altogether, how many mujahideen are there? 25,000. Mushtaq, 25. 25,000 want to take on how many? How many? Like it? 130,000 soldiers. And that is also in the African terrain. Not in Arabia, not in the desert. Arabs could fight in, in Arabia, in the Arab, Arabian Peninsula. Different land, everything was different. 130,000. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad is saying, I am prepared. I am prepared. Now, Gregory, Jarjir from a distance would only laugh. <laughs> Who are these guys? Don't they know that I have, I have fought even with the Romans and even the Romans fear to come to me. And so you have these Arabs coming from Arabia and they want to take my army on. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, as was the habit of the Muslims, he said that he would send a messenger to the camp of, 
Jarjeer and the messenger said that we come from our Amir who is in Madinatul Munawwara, Hazrat Usman bin Affan and, and the head of the Muslim armies, Abdullah ibn Sa'd, appointed by the Amirul Mu'mineen, and we invite you to accept Islam. If you don't accept Islam, then pay jizya. If you don't pay jizya, then there is a sword for you. There is the sword for you. Bas, embrace Islam or pay jizya. Don't stop us. Don't stop us. Pay tax jizya. Like Muslims give zakat, you pay jizya. Or if you want to fight, then we are prepared to fight. When Jarjeer heard what was translated to him, he started laughing. That what is what has happened to uh, the army of the Muslims? They've heard of the Muslim army, but what has happened to them? Are they insane? And he said to the messenger, can you look at my army? 130,000 strong soldiers are waiting to you. All of you will be killed and massacred. Are you sure you want to fight us? And the messenger said, we don't look at numbers, we have complete reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't look at numbers. We only the, the needle of the heart is only pointed to Allah. The needle of the heart is only pointed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the messenger said this, Jarjeer Gregory got very scared. Now, 130,000 to fight 25,000 Mujahideen. So what he did... Because of the messenger being there, the Muslim messenger from Abdullah ibn Saad, he looked at all the people, his people, and he said that I am making an announcement to you, listen to me very carefully. Now Jarjeer had a very beautiful daughter, young daughter, whose name was Sabiya. Kya naam tha? Sabiya. Now you stop laughing here, Sabiya. Sabiya. She was known for her beauty, very beautiful. So the king said, anyone who takes this mission to murder or to assassinate the Muslim commander, the Muslim Amir, Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, I announce to all of you here that I will give to that soldier my daughter to marry. So anyone who, who was to assassinate Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, who is the Amir of that army of North Africa, if anyone was to murder him or to assassinate him by, you have heard of the beauty of my daughter, I will give my daughter in marriage to that individual who kills Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. Now everyone was prepared. Everyone wanted to take on Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, never mind the other soldiers. And this would mean that that individual would be in line to become the king of North Africa also. Because he only had one daughter, Sabiya, and she was very beautiful. And Sabiya stood and she said, yes, I agree to what my father says. I agree to what my father said. And Jarjeev said that I want you to go and tell your leader that all of my soldiers will have their eyes set on you. Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. So you be careful. Just to put fear in the heart of Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala. We end at this inshallah ta'ala. 
there is so much to cover there is so much to cover inshallah ta'ala in the next session Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabirumi wa ala alihi wa salim tislima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'na wa ta'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayk al-masir bi rahmatika ya rahmatika